Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. This is SportsCenter at 6. As Paul George makes his first visit back to Wendy tonight, the Thunder are struggling. Scotty Pippen joins the show with a cure for what ails PG-13, Russ, and Mello. LeBron, sharing the court with Lonzo for the first time tomorrow, shares an interesting take on the Lakers' rookie. And with the risk-reward of Aaron Rodgers' return to the field, what he had to say after his first practice in weeks. I get booed, I get booed. It's, it's part of the game. And now, Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. Tell you what, there's been a whole lot of cooks in the kitchen when it comes to completing Roger Goodell's final contract as commissioner. Well, really one extra cook. We'll get the latest goings on from Jerry's house as the NFL looks to get its house in order at its league meeting in Dallas. And we'll check in on the kitchen, as in Mike Tomlin calling AFC's showdown Patriots Steelers what both teams are saying after their first day of practice ahead of the game of the year in the AFC all right that's enough teasing let's get to the show already Jamal all right and we begin of course with uh, Aaron Rodgers medically cleared to play and just in time to help the Packers make a final push for the playoffs now it will be no easy task since the Packers close out the season against the Panthers, Lions, and Vikings, who are all over 500 and have a combined 26-13 and 13 record. Now, according to reports, Rodgers' collarbone is not fully healed, which was the expectation after having two, uh, having surgery two months ago. But he is healthy enough to play, as you see him there thanking all the fans. I feel confident I'll be able to go out there and play the way I've always played. But, uh, you know, I've been off for seven games and been out for a while, so... Uh, it's going to take getting out there, getting that first pass in, that first hit, and then I'll probably settle in. We've been talking about uh, about the plan all week. I actually uh, got a jump on, on the film last week in the hopes that I would get a chance to be cleared this week. So I, I'd seen uh, a lot already on Carolina. But, uh, but, no, we've had good conversations Monday and Tuesday, and, and uh, you, know, you guys knew shortly after uh, we made the decision um, that I was able to be cleared. RDSPN.com's Rob Domofsky is in uh, Packers at the Packers facility. Rob, I heard Mike McCarthy earlier uh, talking about guarding against a false confidence that Aaron Rodgers' return was not the end-all and cure-all for this team. So aside from Rodgers, and assuming he's Rodgers, his usual self, what are the other areas of concern for the Packers as they try to run the table and get into the playoffs? Yeah, Michael, it's interesting that you mentioned that comment that McCarthy made because Rogers, pretty early in his meeting with us today, said, look, I'm not coming back to save this team. I'm just coming back to play quarterback the way I know how, and hopefully everyone else will raise their game up to that level. And a couple of guys that you might look to to do that are Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, two of Rogers' most experienced receivers. Nelson started off so hot, Michael. He had six touchdowns for the first five games before Rogers got hurt. And he hasn't had one since. It's a lot like what happened in 2013 when Rodgers broke his collarbone. Nelson wasn't very productive during those seven games that he was out. And when Rodgers came back for the season finale at Chicago, Nelson had 10 catches and 161 yards. And Randall Cobb in that game had two touchdowns, including the game winner. And luckily for all those guys, this game is at Carolina. They won't have to deal with the kind of conditions that we have here today in Green Bay. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you for a weather report. The scene kind of speaks for itself there. We appreciate the insight. 
All right, now the uh, Packers aren't out of the playoff hump, but they would need some help to get in. According to the Football Power Index, Green Bay has a 9% chance to make it to the postseason in a loaded NFC. And with them being three games behind the Vikings, they have less than a 1% chance to win the division. So you're saying there's a chance. Bill Pauline, <laughs> you got to the Hall of Fame by evaluating rosters. So I'm, I'm asking you to evaluate the 7-6 and six Green Bay Packers. Um, I think a lot of people are looking at the way Rodgers finished last season and running the table and how he that he could maybe pick up where he left off. But, you know, he's not exactly, you know, in rhythm with this team. When you look at the Packers as a team, what other areas need to be shored up if they are to beat the Panthers, the Vikings and the Lions, as Jamel said, a combined 26 and 13? Well, I think, first of all, they're in pretty good shape right now with Rodgers coming back. They've got a running game now. That's that's it's it's developed over time. And. As Rob just said, they've got Cobb and Jordy coming back from limbo. They're now back in sync and ready to go. That's a powerful offense now when you, when you stop and think about it. The one area they're weak at is tackle because of the injury to Balaga. Uh, but they can shore that up. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. It's not great. Uh, on defense, they're pretty healthy. They lost Kevin King. They lost a couple other guys in the secondary. But the front is healthy. And as long as the front is healthy and can, and can generate rush, they've got a chance. Now, here's, the, here's the, 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 the silver lining, if you will. There are four teams they have to jump over in order to get in the playoffs. But they play the Lions. That's one of them. And the other three are in the NFC South where they're going to cannibalize one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a pretty good chance here if they can run the table – they're in. I don't, if they don't run the table, I think the odds are pretty slim. So with that being said, given the fact, um, the nature of Rodgers' injury, hearing that, yeah, it's not fully healed, but he is healthy enough to play. Now, our football power index gives the Packers just a 6.6% chance of making the playoffs. So was it worth it to bring back your franchise guy, play him in Aaron Rodgers, given that the chances, while there is a chance, there seems to be a bit of a slim chance. Was this, was this risk kind of worth it, given what his injury situation Oh, was? yeah. Branch Rickey, who is the greatest executive in the history of sports, once said, the only one you can win is the one you can win now. Hmm. And so that's the situation they're in. They can win. They can get in. And once you're in, anything can happen. We've right. seen that year after year. And as I said, the NFC South are going to play each other so Maybe one and maybe two of those teams may go out based upon what happens there head to head. So, yeah, it absolutely is worth the risk. No question about it. And Dr. McKenzie, uh, as Aaron mentioned in his remarks, is one of the most conservative and player uh, concerned doctors in the NFL. And so he would not let him go back out there if he wasn't confident that Aaron could do it. This is just a happy day for pro football. You saw the cover of Sports Illustrated, all the different players that have gone. That's been the year of the injury, and we get one of its biggest stars back. So it's, well, been, it's it is, not just for the Packers, but for all of us. At a time when you're really hurting because Carson Wentz isn't there and Ryan yeah. Shazier isn't there, this is, this is a nice present to have back. Welcome change. All right, Appreciate speak, it, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Thank uh, you. Speaking of going back, uh, Paul George uh, returns to Indiana for the first time since being traded to Oklahoma City during the offseason in exchange for Victor Oladipo and DeMontis. It's a bonus. Now, congratulations to anyone who thought that when Paul George returned, Oladipo would be averaging more points, assists, and steals than George did last season. Mm. Here's PG on what it feels like to come back to Naptown. I'm, I'm in my comfort zone when I'm on the court. Um, I might be nervous off the court being booed, 
Uh, but being on the court, it's my comfort zone. Um, it, it's, it's basketball. It's what I do. Um, I'm not losing sleep over it. Um, I'm, 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 I'm living my dream, getting to play in the NBA and getting to play basketball. So uh, I get booed. I get booed. It's, it's part of the game. Um, it'll make for a good show. And um, I'm looking forward to it. We're on ESPN. <laughs> We're looking forward to yeah, it, too. Thanks for the shout-out, Paul. Yeah. Hey, Doris Burke. So, Paul George said that um, the Pacers doing well post-trade gives him closure. Okay, we'll, we'll take that. But I wonder, with a loss, potential loss tonight, not to mention in New York later this week, what kind of questions, what kind of additional pressures would the Thunder expose themselves to if Paul George goes back to Indianapolis and they lose to Victor Oladipo and the Pacers? Well, listen, I expect Paul George to be emotional tonight. I don't think he spent seven years in a place and not experienced some level of emotion. He played poorly the first time around, got in early foul trouble. And the pressure is ramping up across this organization. Clearly, this is a play that they made to start the year to get Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. I think it was the right play. You think back to the history under Sam Presti. They built initially with their draft picks, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook. They had incredible success in that way. But the more more losses mount, the more the pressure adds. And I'll be, I'm very curious, Michael, to see the fans' reaction tonight. Four times in seven years you're an all-star. Four times you're all-NBA. And I know you and Jamel are not familiar with this. But anytime somebody is jilted, as these fans were, I expect there to be some negative reaction here. Yeah, well, Mike, you know, he's never been broken up with, so he doesn't understand that process of difficult uh, breakups, never, <laughs> nevertheless. But on the other side of it, Victor Oladipo, I mean, this has got to be a lot of vindication for him, considering how people have kind of been down on him at, in, at different points in his career, and especially not playing with Russell Westbrook to be flourishing the way that he is. Now, you spoke to Oladipo, Oladipo earlier today. Uh, let's listen to what he said about this matchup tonight. I don't think it's a chip anymore. It might have been a chip when I was little, but I tell everybody it's a boulder on my on my back now. I've been proving people wrong since I was five years old, so it's nothing new to me. I'm trying to be great. So every day I wake up, that's all I think about. I want to go to NBA Finals. I want to win a ring. I want to be a Hall of Famer. I want to do all those things. And in order to do that, i got to wake up every day with that mentality. Of, I'm, I'm trying to chase number one. Whoever number one is, that's who I'm chasing. Now, uh, Doris, no one would have ever anticipated that Victor Oladipo would be averaging more points and assists or be better statistically at this point than Paul George was last year. What's been the difference for him with the Pacers as opposed to at other points in his career where people have wondered whether or not he was ever going to rise to be some kind of elite player in this league? Well, I think being traded two times over the course of a very brief career, you're now in your fifth year, certainly put that boulder that he mentioned on his shoulders. But I think the other interesting piece and fascinating piece of this is we talked to him about Russell uh, Russell Westbrook's influence on him, Jamel, and he said, to be honest with you, it was a wake-up call watching what Russell brought to the work piece of this career every single day. The stamina he had to perform at the level he did over 82 games. There was a physical transformation that we will document on our telecast. There was a mental transformation. Let's remember, Victor Oladipo for the first time in his career is absorbing the best defensive player on a nightly basis. There's still a next level for him. He has been tremendous. He shot the three ball well. He's always been a great driver. The next stage is can he manipulate defenses, but hey, 
Hats off to Kevin Pritchard because they did a nice job evaluating, evaluating both Sabonis and Victor Oladipo. Should be an emotional scene in Indianapolis and it's homecoming week for the Thunder. Of course, they go back to New York later this week. Thank you, Doris Burke. We appreciate it. You know, I'll give it to Kevin Pritchard. He might have made the best helping of chicken salad out of chicken. (laughs) You know what? In recent memory, with help from that man, Victor Oladipo, averaging 24, more than 24 points, five rebounds and four assists. Two other guys in the East are averaging that. That's Giannis and LeBron. If this man's not an all-star, that's criminal. All right, the 6 at 6 rolls on. We'll dive into the big Steelers-Patriots game this weekend. But first, let's dive into Roger Goodell's pockets. Sounds like the freaks of the industry. (laughs) Roger Goodell, he's officially signed through 2024 with a new contract that is reportedly 90% incentive-based. According to Falcons owner Arthur Blank, Goodell opponent Jerry Jones had nothing to do with increasing the percentage of Goodell's deal that is not guaranteed. But he did have some say-so on possible changes to how the committee is put together. So, of course... That's got to mean that Roger Goodell and Jerry Jones are all good. My relationship with Jerry has been great. Uh, I, um, we don't always agree, and I'm not uh, paid to agree, and he's not paid to agree to me, with me. Um, I think that's, again, what the strength of our league is. And so uh, as a league, we're stronger when 32 teams are together. We have our differences, but we work together to try to solve those differences. I, I Do I look like I take it personally? Jerry, do I look like I take it personally? <laughs> no, is the answer to that question. I know how much Roger Goodell loves the National Football League, and he should love it even more after uh, right now. <laughs> but seriously, and I say that, I say that, I congratulate But I'm just saying, he, he does love this league. There's no questioning that in my mind. And uh, he's been very good to this league. Uh, but um, uh, as with any organization of any type, whether it be business, social, or otherwise, uh, you, you have to evolve and you have to make changes. And frankly, uh, that is what this has been about. Is that personal direct deposit working? Yeah. <laughs> I so maybe, nothing personally. And maybe this love fest is why Roger Goodell clarified that this uh, talk about him retiring at the end of this contract is a little bit prim- premature. Now, Jim Trotter, you've been covering this. Now, I have my mouth all watered up for some kind of fight or some kind of showdown between Jerry Jones and Roger Goodell. And w- where were the fireworks? What's, what's up with all this love between the two of them joking and, and ribbing each other the way that they were? Well, there was nothing to fight about. I mean, they had already extended Roger's contract. They had already agreed to a social justice partnership with the Players Coalition. So by the time we got to this meeting, there was nothing left for anyone to argue about. Now, what the owners did when they came in is they knew that Jerry wanted to get some things off of his chest. And so in the meeting, I'm told, they let him have his say. But at the end of the day, Jerry knew in that room there was no appetite for a fight. The owners told me they have too many serious issues to address and they need to move forward. So what they did is they said, look, we understand your concerns about the commissioner's power, how he's paid, how the compensation committee is set up, and what we'll do is we'll table this for now and we will deal with this in March at the annual meeting. And once we get there, it is expected, as Arthur Blank told me, that that will um, be the last year that the commissioner will be able to choose the chairperson for the competition committee. And Jerry Jones wants to make changes to the Constitution there, and that also is likely to happen. But look, Jamil, understand this. This meeting was about one thing for Jerry Jones, and that was trying to return powers to the owners and take it from the commissioner. Hmm. 
That's interesting. Um, all right. Well, uh, Jim, thanks for your uh, report. We appreciate it. Pittsburgh Steelers, technically owned by the Roonies, but in recent years, unofficially co-owned by Tom Brady. He's thrown three picks in his last two games. That's Ben Roethlisberger. He's pretty good, too. But chances are he bounces back against Pittsburgh, sitting as though he hasn't thrown an interception against the Steelers since 2005, a streak of 278 straight throws. Given the way Hundley, Dalton, and Flacco have gotten off the past three weeks against the Steelers, Pittsburgh had better get its act together quick, fast, and in a hurry if they expect to keep Brady from another game with a 90 total QBR. Yeah, I mean, he's the best in the world. Um, maybe the best it's ever done it. So, of course, we're going to relish the opportunities. You have been playing a long time. Some of the guys that are going to be playing this game have not. I mean, do you have to try to tell them to, yes, be hyped, be excited, but sort of kind of try to stay under <laughs> If control? I have to tell guys to get hyped for a football game uh, at Heinz Field against these guys, against the, the world champs, uh, we got some bigger problems than that. This is obviously a game that a lot of people, even before the season started and the record was out, people probably circled on their calendars, you know, so... Um, I'm definitely going to embrace the game, um, you know, going against you know, the Patriots. The, you know, it's, it's a team that's always in the, in the hunt of a Super Bowl. Um, it's going to be good playing against those guys. All right, now Pittsburgh will try to turn things around against New England, who's won the last four meetings between the two teams, including in last season's AFC Championship game. In fact, the Steelers haven't led at any point in the last four meetings with the Patriots. They ain't even leave. They ain't even pinch them. Uh, as the Patriots turn the page from Monday's massacre in Miami to one of the biggest games of the year, relatively speaking, struggling Tom Brady as the late gets two big targets, Gronk back from suspension, and Kenny Britt, who took part in his first practice as a Patriot and took number 85. Hey, Mike Reese. It's Michael Smith. Uh, Patriots, speaking of numbers, coming off a 0-11 performance on third down. So how are Gronk and Brady trying to correct that going up against Pittsburgh? Well, good evening, Michael. Outside the Patriots locker room here, and the first thing they're doing to correct it is opening the front door here at Gillette Stadium and welcoming Rob Gronkowski back to the facility. Of course, he wasn't part uh, of that performance because he was serving that one-game NFL suspension. And I just came out of the locker room within the last hour, and I asked running back Dion Lewis what it was like to have Rob Gronkowski back here with the Patriots, and he said it was almost like he never left. He's so energetic, cracking jokes. And then he added this. He's hungry. So you're going to get a motivated Rob Gronkowski coming off that suspension. And we also talked earlier in the day to Steelers coach Mike Tomlin on a conference call, and he said from a Steelers perspective, you can almost disregard the tape from Monday night's game when the Patriots were 0 for 11 on third down because Gronkowski wasn't there. Now, as for Brady, Michael, a significant shift today in his preparation because the last three Wednesdays he did not take part in Patriots practices, he was getting extra treatment for his Achilles. Today, it was a walkthrough, and he went from start to finish. So Brady, from wire to wire in practice. All right, good stuff as always, Mike Reese. And uh, compliments on a live shot. Like you're about to do a concert after we're done here. I've gotten better every season that I've been in this league. But I don't think I'm close to being where I want to be. The Indiana Pacers select Paul George of Fresno State University. I think the sky's the limit, and I really want to work to reach my full potential. In less than three short years, Paul George of the Pacers has become the face of that franchise. PG puts oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! PG! George, step around, James. Paul George! How do you do? Oh, my goodness, Paul George! My team is counting on me to make those plays. It's really me wanting that moment and trying to relish in that moment. Paul 
one and three, Paul George. Bang! Paul George from downtown! What a shot by PG! I think he's got every tool. And a steal by George. Paul oh, George with a beautiful block. And oh! Oh, he snaps Paul George again is playing like a superstar. Back to George in the air for the tie. Oh! oh! He got it! George makes his move on LeBron. Blows right by him and he's down! George blows by LeBron James. George, of course, the star, another great two-way player, one of the best in the game. Paul George is the real deal. You know who's the real deal? Royce Young. Royce is in Indy for Paul George's return. So, safe to say that Sam Presti, you never know what he's got up his sleeve, right? So, Royce, based on, you know, your sense of the organization, what are the, what's the chances? I saw what Russell Westbrook told Jay. It's 26 games into an 82-game season. What are the chances that Presty, though, if they don't get this thing turned around quickly enough, thinks about flipping Paul George before free agency? Well, obviously, Michael, i got to be careful because Sam Presti's just sitting off over here to my left, so I gotta, maybe I ought to ask him exactly what he's thinking. But, um, you know, you can, you can be sure that rival executives around the league are watching this Thunder situation very intently. Every loss that happens, they're starting to wonder, is Paul George going to become available? Because everybody around the league understands the buzz that's out there, the fact that Paul George, when his agent went in and told the Indiana Pacers that he wouldn't be resigning, the Los Angeles Lakers were mentioned as the destination. A lot of rival executives around the NBA believe that's where he still will end up going. So if you're Sam Presti and Paul George is headed for unrestricted free agency and this thing isn't working, he's, Presti's going to start getting phone calls. And the question is, would he be willing to make that move regardless? Right now, internally, the Thunder still believe they're going to fix this. They believe their process is going to win out. And on top of it, Michael, they believe that they're going to be a threatening playoff team. If they can get in, which is a weird thing to say, if, but if they can get in, they feel like they can be dangerous. And they feel like that they've done a good job recruiting Paul George at this point, so it hasn't reached that point yet, but you can be sure that people are paying attention around the league. And the talk will certainly get louder if they lose to, of all teams, Indiana. We appreciate it, Royce. And one of the things that the uh, Thunder has to figure out is how to stop blowing big leads. Now, OKC has lost eight games this season where they led by double digits. Second most in the league last season, the Thunder had nine such losses all season. Now, Woj, uh, as Royce mentioned, of course, Sam Presti is going to get some calls about Paul George if this thing continues to trend southward. Friday, though, is the unofficial beginning of the kind of trade season where NBA fans start to use that trade machine and, <laughs> right. and put things in there that will never happen. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, with you being the export, uh, expert, how much activity should NBA fans expect when this sort of trade season begins? Well, initially, there may not. The conversations have already started, but executives around the league I talk to expect a tremendous amount of trade activity uh, before that February trade deadline for a couple reasons. Number one, there's not nearly the salary cap space available this summer in free agency that teams are going to go out and, and make, get the players they want in trades. And there are a lot of teams in both the East, more in the East, and a few in the West who believe you know, either they can uh, – you know, Houston still wants to catch Golden State. You've got multiple teams in the East who think they can not only either get to the NBA Finals or maybe a conference final. A lot of teams are looking to improve themselves. Biggest name that we might see moved. We talk a lot about Paul George. Anybody else? DeAndre Jordan of the Clippers. He can opt out of his contract this summer. Uh, the Clippers do not have young talent in their organization. They haven't drafted well. They've got to be able to get for DeAndre Jordan as they potentially head toward a rebuild. Uh, 
draft picks, young players. That's going to be their motivation. And you look in the Eastern Conference, there's several teams who would love to have a rim protector, including the Cavaliers, uh, Milwaukee, uh, who, who are going to have and have tremendous interest in Jordan. Is it the Cavaliers? <laughs> yeah, because that's who I was going to bring up next. We know LeBron James is a tinkerer and that he certainly doesn't take losing lightly as in the finals, even though they clearly have made a turnaround to the slow start that they had earlier this season. But can we expect the Cavs to get active in terms of the market? Well, LeBron would have a lot more voice in this if they felt he was going to stay. If they had confidence that he was going to resign, uh, that Brooklyn Nets pick would absolutely be in play right now. But Cleveland, you know, they got that Brooklyn pick in the deal for Kyrie Irving with Boston. That was what they really most wanted, more than Isaiah Thomas. They thought that might be a pick anywhere from two to five. Right now, based on how the Nets have played, they've exceeded expectations. That pick is anywhere from 7 to 12, and that has a lot less value for Cleveland. So you may potentially see that put into trade talks, uh, but a lot in Cleveland depends on them feeling out LeBron's temperature about whether they're going to stay. They don't want to mortgage their future to make one last run, have LeBron leave in free agency, and have a team that's going to take a long time to uh, rebuild. Yeah, so basically, that pick that. ain't going nowhere. Because <laughs> he's not going to tell them. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. All right, well, thank you very much. All right, speaking of player movement, the Marlins continues to get their Gordon Gecko on after trading Reed all-star left fielder Marcel Azuna to the Cardinals earlier today. Azuna is coming off a career-best season with a 312 batting average, 37 home runs, 124 RBIs, which ranked third in the National League. The deal, first reported by Sirius XM, is pending a physical. Now, Azuna's agent, Scott Boris, did not hold back on the Marlins' new ownership. And you would hope that ownership, new ownership, that MLB would screen the ownership so that we have an ownership that comes in and provides additions. You, know, you, you heard the players on that team say, if we could get pitching, we could add pitching. And we all know that pitching's available. You're not a jewelry store that's coveting your diamonds. You now become a pawn shop that is trying to pay the rent of the building rather than focusing on the diamonds and growth that you cover. All right, Pedro Gomez joining us live from winter meetings in Orlando. Uh, Pedro, the Marlins are continuing their fire sale, a story we've seen a lot with them yep. uh, in the past. What does getting rid of Ozuna mean for them, and what does it say for the Cardinals? What are they getting right now adding a player like that? I mean, I, I wish I could give you a good reference like greed is good, but in this case, it's the opposite of greed is good since you threw out Gordon Gecko there. Um, you know what? In the Marlins case, it means that they are headed for a probable hundred loss type season because they have gotten rid of such marquee names like D. Gordon, like Giancarlo Stanton, like... Marcelo Zuna and Christian Yelich very well could be the next one. So there's going to be very left, little left in the cupboard. In terms of St. Louis, though, they're getting a big power bat right in the middle of their lineup. And if you think back to the Cardinals over the course of the last 20 years, it has basically been a seamless big bat in the middle of the lineup, whether you go back to Mark McGuire, then Albert Pujols, then Matt Holliday. But last year, there was no big bat. So that's what the Cardinals have been missing. They always, always have had that big bat right in the middle. Let's not forget the Cubs, for everything they did a couple of years ago when winning the World Series, well, they're 
trending a little bit downward. So that's NL Central Division could very well be up for grabs. All right, let's talk about another big name creating some buzz. There's a lot of speculation that the Nationals may try to extend Bryce Harper's contract. Uh, what's the latest on that? What's the word you're hearing? <laughs> well, the Nationals may want to do that. They may want to negotiate. The reality is that there is very, very little chance. It's almost, if I can throw back, you, you threw out Gordon Gecko. Think of Blutarski from Animal House. 0.0 chance of <laughs> Bryce Harper signing a contract before he hits free agency. Look, Scott Boris, this is the prize. Uh, and he will hit free agency, and Bryce Harper is looking to set the next record. Giancarlo Stanton may have that now at $325 million, but Bryce Harper will surely surpass that, and he can only do that if he hits the open market. He's a free agent after the upcoming 2018 season. All right, 0.0. That good, huh? <laughs> Thanks a lot, Pedro. We appreciate you joining us. So you know how I do. I know how you do. Whenever Why my, am I whenever not surprised? Whenever my guys Whenever my squad handles biz, I sneak them in the show somehow. I must have missed the memo. 48 that. to 12. The 76ers don't get in there. If they lose. Look, 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 look. <laughs> He's great. 39 minutes. He's great. Hey, you see the Euro step? Like, I'm just going to let you have this moment alone with your, with your boy. Okay? That's my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> Great <laughs> profile that Ramona did on him. Um, yeah, he's good, a Game of Thrones fan. Who is it, though, right? Good news here. Gordon Hayward told Chris Forsberg that he got out of his walking boot today. That's no guarantee he stays out of the boot, but he's hopeful that he's kind of done with it. And speaking of the Celtics, by the way, Kyrie will play tonight against Denver after missing Monday's game with the left quad contusion. But that's going to be awesome news if you're a Celtics fan. Yeah. Um, awesome news if you're an NBA fan here. We have two good NBA games on our Wednesday doubleheader. Tonight, Paul George back in Indiana. Hadn't heard. Really? But he is to take on the Pacers at 7 Eastern. Then the Rockets go for their 11th straight win when they host the Hornets. Uh, here's Dwight Howard on his time in Houston. We did some really good things here uh, in Houston. You know, I hate, you know, going back to the passes, uh, but we went to the Western Conference Finals. And that was a season where there was a lot of injuries and stuff like that. But we, we turned it around. We got to the Western Conference Finals, which is something that hasn't been done in Houston since uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. You know, so a lot of people may say, well, it was a failure, you know, in Houston. But, you know, I feel like it was a lot of great things that came out of the situation. No shade, but I really forgot he was a rocket. I, I already buried that. Okay, like you fresh out the barbershop chair. All right, after Hornets Rockets at Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt, hear from Paul George and the Thunder following George's return to Indy. Plus, he'll break down the Rockets' rise with Hall of Famer Scotty Pippen. More on that in a second. Yeah, we beat you. And Arizona State head coach uh, Bobby Hurley joins the show and explains how the undefeated Sun Devils have gone from unranked to number five in the nation. All right. downhill from you after this. I hope you know that's that. That show later. It's just, you know, that's, that's a good closing act. So anyway, good to see you, man. How's it going? It's great, so man. So at the top you, of the show, our friend teased that you had the cure. Scottie Pippen had the cure for the Thunder. They can't figure it out. Billy Donovan can't figure it out, but you got it. So how did well, the Thunder keep, they say all the right things, and then it seems like old habits keep dying hard. I think they just have to keep playing. Um, you know, we're still early into the season, even though they've played for 25, 26 games now. It's still early. And when you get three players, three all-star players, sometimes it's hard to get those players to really bond, to really jail. We saw what Russell Westbrook did last season, dominated the ball, getting assists, uh, rebounding, 
he's one of those players that probably the one of these three that had to pull back the most. Yeah. And now to try to fit those guys in, they're all-star players. They play at a high level. They're used to having the ball in their hands. Right. So the chemistry is just not there right now. I think defensively they're probably better than they are on the offensive end. Yeah. But That's a good start. you have to get better on the offensive end. They're going to play well, as we've seen when they played against Golden State. They know how to rise to the occasion. But yeah. what we're not seeing now is that consistency night in and night out. They're certainly motivated to win. And it's just one of those things when you don't naturally complement one another, that makes it that much harder. They're all used to having the offense go through them as opposed to one guy being a wing, one guy being a big, a point guard, that sort of thing. Yeah, so. but I also wonder, though, it, like we compare them to the Heat and, and when they got off to their rough start when – Bosch and, right, and, and yeah, and D-Wade and LeBron came together. The difference is they wanted to play with each other, so they were going to make it work. These are three guys that they didn't sit down and say, I want to play with one but another. But they do want to make it work. They want to make it work, but it's like, I just wonder if this losing continues or if it's just that inconsistency. Do they start to kind of check out uh, a little bit? Um, certainly a team that doesn't have to worry about chemistry, the Rockets. Um, they're going for their 11th straight. They, they look phenomenal. Now, I I know that right now it's still early in the NBA season, but already just looking at this team, to me, they look like a team that's going to have something for Golden State. Do they look that way to you? I would have to agree with you on that. I just hope that they can stay healthy. I know we've had some injuries here with Chris Paul in the last few years. You hope that they can stay healthy throughout the postseason, but they look great now. Uh, having Chris Paul back, you can see that they build some chemistry. Um, you look at Harden, how he's playing this season. Uh, you know, we just have to see them against better competition. And I think the Christmas Day games will tell a lot about a lot of these teams in terms of where they are going forward. They're rugged on defense. Yeah. Appreciate it, Scotty. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure. All right, man. Following us right here on ESPN, of course. Don't miss Paul George's return to Indiana. No. Is he going back? He's going back. What? So here's the thing. So Paul George got traded in the offseason. For Victor Oladipo and Sabonis, who are both playing great, but it's not working out so well from so far for the Thunder. Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony hadn't quite covered that storyline. No. Right. I, I don't believe you. So right. you can see how it all plays out. This is seven. all new information to me. <laughs> Surely you have made this up. Hashtag sarcasm. <laughs> You're not going to represent the Ball family walking out with that. Ooh. All right. Since we're on the subject of the Ball family, uh, he made sure, of course, everyone knew he was at the game, MSG, big stage, big lights. Uh, LeVar recently attended a meeting with the Lakers front office where they asked him to tone down some of his criticism. Here he is on it. Are you concerned about them wanting you to not be as, as outspoken? You know what? That's what y'all saying. But behind closed doors, man, we got a great communication, man. People going to try to twist what I'm saying, what they saying. But it's not going to happen because we're going to get these W's. Here we come. So, damn shame has gotten to this point. <laughs> you think that LeVar will turn it, tone it down now? About the criticisms part. I didn't say generally who he is because... I would say this in the nicest way possible. Like, I don't give a frog fat... I, I don't care. I don't care whether he turns it down. I don't care. Like, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm fatigued at this point. Like, he gonna do him. Lonzo's gonna get better to Le, LeBron's point. Right. And the kids gonna play Lithuania. Like, we keep doing this, man. Like, every time I see an ESP... I'm chill. I'm going to chill. You sure you don't have anything to say? No, Nothing more to add? No, I'm going to chill. done there? I'm going to chill. I think he actually will tone down the criticism. I, ho- I thought he would before we even got to. I thought he would in offseason. I thought he would when he got drafted by the Lakers that he'd be like, okay, Magic, it's your show. No, I think he will. Me. Because here's the thing. I think to LeVar, this is a big game for him. All right? So. Yo, so today, 
I get on a bus with you, mm-hmm. and the first thing we see is people getting duped on social media that the Washington Professional Football Franchise has changed its name to the Washington Redhawks. People will go to great lengths. Yeah, and this was as good of a, a hoax that you've seen. The pages, the Washington Post, uh, they made it seem as if they were breaking the story, and it looked identical to the Post uh, Sports, the front section, uh, the, the front page of their website. And ours. And, section, the, and ours, too, and Bleacher Report as well. Aside, but you can't, if you follow the story, you can't believe that it's going to come out of left field. Well, apparently the organizers who did this said that this was their way of showing what a positive response it would have been sure. if they changed the name. Now, moving on to the Lions here, a reporter, I think it was my, my man Dave Burkett, Shout out to Michigan State. Uh, admitted that Alliance Report admitted that they've never seen Goodfellas. That's a shame. It is a shame, Dave. I hope that wasn't you. Uh, anyway, led to Jim Caldwell saying that his favorite movie, what or him asking what his favorite movie was, and he said, "I do, but I care not to share it. You might understand it or misunderstand, and I don't have time to explain." Well, what could that I movie bet. have been? I don't know. I mean, what what you know it's. I guess, I don't know, if he said something like Daredevil was a good movie, like somebody I know. Not, you know, no names mentioned. I would judge you if you said I'm something like that. Stand, and I <laughs> think know. Daredevil, the movie gets a bad rap. Obviously, the Netflix series is, is, is awesome. But I, I think Daredevil, that movie, that was a bad movie. moving right along. Who had a good day? All right, it was a good day uh, for this family that Anthony Davis surprised as part of the NBA Season of Giving campaign. Uh, he surprised a local New Orleans family with some Christmas presents, and the mother... Uh, he gave her a key, the keys to a new car. So he delivered the presents in the new car and then handed her the keys. It was a great moment. Great for the city. Uh, hey, good day in theory for the Browns. You know I'm the biggest draft <laughs> nut there is around here. Todd McShay's first mock is out, top 10. He's got Darnold going one and Barkley six to the Browns. No! That would make for a good draft day. The 49ers, they need some positivity. We want them. We want so them. It's been a while since they've won. That's it for the six. Hey, programming alert. I heard Paul George is returning for the first time. Did you hear that? I heard that.